This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Phil Mackey. He looks like he's in eighth grade, first of all. He does. If you stand by that guy, he is a midget. He is a little guy. Judd Zolgad. I consider my protege. <laughs> <laughs> Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. With the 30th pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the Minnesota Vikings select Mike Hughes, the uh, cornerback out of UCF. Bounced around a bit, really settled in and matured, and ran into a great player this past year for Central Florida. Technique, his footwork, his ball skills, his athleticism are all top-notch. He's also got tremendous return ability. He could be a lead corner, a number one corner, and also help out big time in the return game. Mike Hughes on potential alone is very exciting. Yes, gentlemen, I bring to you great moments in NFL draft grade history. Ooh, all right. Let's go back to the 2012 National Football League entry draft, where the Minnesota Vikings were looking for a franchise left tackle. They were looking for maybe some playmakers, beef up the wide receiver core. Of course. And, um... You know, just generally looking to make their team better, okay? All right. <laughs> this is from NFL.com, which gave the Vikings a very good grade, a B. It's going to be tough for the Vikings to compete in what looks to be a very difficult division in 2012, but switching spots with the Browns in the top four to help build some depth at receiver in the middle rounds, Greg Childs and Jarius Wright, one of those guys had, like, time bombs for knees that blew up in training yeah, camp. Yeah, Greg Childs, yep. Making a bold move in the first round to secure... Harrison Smith, which was a great pick, mm -hmm. and getting good value at cornerback to start rebuilding that position. Josh Robinson in the third round. But the best pick for the Vikings in 2012, according to NFL.com, was the franchise left tackle at number four, Matt Khalil. Despite the team's pre-draft banter and the importance of the cornerback position, the only franchise left tackle in the draft class got the call. Protecting 2011 first-round pick Christian Ponder is crucial for the quarterback's development. What Excuse about me? What? <laughs> what was that part again? This has been great moments in NFL draft grade history. Actually, SI.com also did grading on that draft, which they <laughs> yeah. gave the Vikings a straight-up A for drafting Matt Khalil number four overall and adding a sneaky cornerback in Josh Robinson at 66. Their third round pick. Okay, it was sneaky. <laughs> Hardly even noticed him. Yeah, exactly. The Bears certainly didn't. The Packers I mean, didn't for Smith sure. Was, Harrison Smith is like a Hall of Fame caliber player. So, and in Khalil, fairness, and Khalil had in in retrospect now one good season. It was a really nice year. It was. His rookie year was great. The, the, Went to the Pro Bowl. Here's the funny thing, and this is why this is. I'm not even trying to rip NFL.com. I'm just saying this is so much more of a crapshoot than issuing a grade right after the fact, it, right? Yes. Uh, so their their most questionable pick of the collection was one of the more underrated players for five years on this team was Rhett Ellison, 
So they have Rhett Ellison as the most questionable pick, a fourth rounder. Yep. The team used a second round pick on Kyle Rudolph last year, signed veteran free agent John Carlson, and has uh, John Carlson. Oh my God. Poor John Carlson. And has other similar players on the roster. Ellison is a versatile talent, but finding depth in the front seven might have been more advisable in this situation. John Carlson. That guy played for five minutes and was done, right? Was it concussions for him? Yeah. Or was it just lack of productivity? No, I think it was uh, concussions. Okay. It's so, like, I think. A grading draft. I get it. it's just like it's you're churning content. I mean, today there's for, Dave went over first round draft grades and stuff. I mean, you're just you're you're basically when when Kuiper goes out on Monday and issues grades for all the teams, he's saying, well, based on my big board and yeah. based on where guys went and what positions of need were, here's what I think should have happened. Mm-hmm. I did find a couple of these though. NFL.com. This was a truly great moment in NFL draft grade history when NFL.com gave the Jaguars. A D, or was it a D minus, for taking Blaine Gabbert with the number one pick? So they spotted it right then and there. So bravo to NFL.com. That's a very nice job. Right. That's a very nice job. In uh, in 2011. Is there anything that that as sports fans we get more excited about that we know nothing about than than the draft? That's a great question. Like no, there's, there can't be. Like we watch You've games. Never seen any of the players? Right. And if you see a game, you might see it. It might be. One game, but you still at least see the players do things, right? Yeah. Like the draft last night, people are glued to it, including us to a certain degree. And you're watching names be called, and you're like, oh, that's okay, that's interesting. And you have no idea what it means. Well, and it's, uh, but this goes to the NFL's, the NFL's success is based 100%, not 100%, it's based like 80% off anticipation and promise, right? Yes. I mean, there's only 16 regular season games, which is the genius of it. So they're getting you're getting a week of build up to each game, and then you're getting a build up. Okay, what's the schedule going to be? We're going to release the schedule, and it's this anticipation, and then free agency. Who are you going to sign? You know, there's all kinds of off season events that are much more enjoyable to watch and get better ratings than actual games in the regular season, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the NFL draft. We should almost look this up in terms of things that rate the highest on TV for the NFL. The NFL draft and the schedule release, I mean, they're not like Super Bowl and Championship Sunday the ratings. The NFL but, draft is huge, though, I'm sure. But the NFL draft does a better rating than almost every game they would put out, right? So the anticipation of players joining teams, players that most fans have never actually watched outside of the quarterbacks that you saw a couple times in a bowl game or on an ESPN game. Correct. So, again, it's just it's the anticipation and the buildup of teams getting better and then... Your team, what what are they going to do at this position? And it's and it's 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 more hype than actual substance. That's the genius of the NFL. And last night, so the the draft was shown. ESPN showed the draft last night. The league network showed the draft. And what I loved is it was simulcast on the the uh, league network's coverage was simulcast on Fox, the big Fox. So you had two at least two major TV entities carry something that was basically a guy announcing names. Yes. Well, let me ask you this, okay? Let's And we love it. Let's both be honest about this cuz I actually watch a lot of college football, but I'm, I'm not gonna, I watch the Gophers and I watch the big time games. If there's a game on Saturday night, Ohio and I'll, State I'll flip and, around. Yeah. Yep. And so I'm mostly watching the the Power 5 conferences and skill position players are the ones that tend to stand out. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to go through some of these first round picks. And let's be totally honest. How many of these guys did you watch like multiple games of throughout their career or or remember watching distinctly? 
All right. I mean, the first two, yes. Baker Mayfield, yes. And Saquon Barkley as a as a Big Ten running back, yes. We've both seen those guys. Sam Darnold, um, probably watched about eight of his games. Okay. Denzel Ward, He's quarterback, Ohio State. I watched him, but not on purpose. Right, exactly. Not him. For sure. I watched his I know team that, like, play, Ohio but State. I wasn't. I know Ohio State's awesome. I watch Ohio State a lot. I know they're awesome. I know they have a good defense. Right, but the question be the question becomes, did you watch a Buckeyes game and say, that watch. guy can play? Yeah. Absolutely not. Bradley Chubb, defensive pass rusher, North Carolina State. Absolutely not. Yeah. Her, I heard the name, but I never sought out an NC State game. For sure. But if you're a hyper fan of the Broncos, and you know that the Broncos are they're looking to build up their defense even more, right? They've got, well, I guess they could have taken a quarterback, but Case Keenum is going to be their franchise quarterback. They're very excited. Even if you've never seen Bradley Chubb play a game, yep. it's the hype and the mock drafts and the things that you've read, and then you go back, maybe Keep you watch going, a little though. film, right? All right. This is good. I like this. Now, I'm I'm a yes on this one, but only because I'm a Notre Dame fan. Quentin Nelson. Now, oh. if you would have said, who's Quentin Nelson after the season, I would I would have said, I'm not sure. Oh, he's, he's that... He's that offensive guard from Notre Dame that road graded teams. I'm a no for sure. So, so but it's only a yes because of Notre Dame offensive line. All right. Josh Allen, quarterback Wyoming. Oh, absolutely not. Zero. Never, never watched saw, Wyoming game. Never saw a game. Yep. <laughs> never saw one. How about uh, Roquan Smith, outside linebacker Georgia? I remember him in the college football playoff. Just because like there were only four teams left and they were doing profiles. Now that and you so mentioned I, it, I, I, might, I might have, but not on purpose. Mike McGlinchey, offensive tackle, Notre Dame. Love the name. No. Yeah. Josh Rosen, yes. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, because of his name and he's Alabama safety guy. Yeah. Probably the rare non-skill position yeah. player that, yep. that you remember. Yep. Uh, Vita Villa, defensive tackle, Washington. <laughs> Went to the Bucks. Like, no. Right? A defensive tackle? Yeah, right. no, you're lying. If, right. if you said yes, so, you're completely again, lying. Like, and you and I get paid to watch and talk about sports. And so we're much more engaged than most people. But this is what it is. I mean, you if you're a Buccaneers fan, yes, like yeah. Vita Villa, never saw so the, the guy play, but I'm last super night. jacked up We got for another it. corner. Right. And you watch how, how many Central Florida games because of that cornerback? Oh, none. <laughs> but I'm really excited about yeah. him. And I'm not even ripping fans. I'm just saying it's more, no. the, it's more the genius of the NFL where they're able to take this in a way that I think baseball can't because you're not going to be able to see these players right away. In the NFL... You're going to see these players pretty much right away, these first-round draft picks. Yeah, oh, yeah. Good it's or complete, bad. It's completely genius. Yeah, the NBA, too. You're going to see, like, there's a lot of guys in the NBA. I don't remember, like, the guy from, you know, this French big man that's going to come over and shoot threes. The NBA is the only one that's even remotely close, and it's not that close. Yeah. Um, Dave, you got some questions for us? What are we going to get into next? Oh, there might be something Vikings draft-related, and I mean, can we avoid the Twins? Really? I think we need to. I think we should. I think we costs, should avoid yes. them, yes. Well, uh, we're not going to. All right. Chris Singleton will join us, too, in about 20 minutes. Judd for Prime Mortgage Lending. Yeah, and I want, want to talk to you about if you are considering a mortgage company, I want to suggest my friends at Prime, as Phil just said, and Kent McCullough. That's because this isn't about simply selling you on something, folks. Prime wants to earn your trust first. In fact, they would rather earn that trust than sell you that loan. That's right. And you're saying, okay, Judd, that sounds great. What exactly does it mean? It means while Prime would love to have you as a client, what they want to do is they want to meet with you first. They want to explain their plan. They want to sit down, and then the decision is up to you. That's because this is about a couple of key things that I've been talking about now for a month or so. And those key things, if you have not heard this spot, are teamwork and collaboration. That's what Prime is all about. It's what they believe in, teamwork and collaboration, not only internally with Prime, but also as they sit down and explain their process to you. That's because if you're shopping for a mortgage, you can count on Prime to give you that sound advice and straight answers. For instance, 
Prime wants to take some of the mystery out of the mortgage process. Did you know Prime may be able to put together a program that can pay your closing costs? Not just include them in your loan, but actually pay them for you. GoPrimeWithKent.com is the site to go to. GoPrimeWithKent, K-E-N-T.com. Questions after this. Mackie and Judd now continue. Just press play. On 1500 ESPN. Now on Mackie and John. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. Alrighty, we got Chris Singleton. We're going to talk about the Twins' creative ways of losing to the Yankees with him and see if he has any solutions to offer. Matthew Collar on draft in about 45 minutes. And here's Dave Harrigan with some preguntas. Let's start with the draft and something Rick Spielman said last night after they made the pick. We got a lot of calls, uh, maybe, you know, five or six picks before us. And then uh, we didn't get any calls, you know, once we were on the clock. Wow. Um, but I don't know if we would have traded out with a what we felt uh, w- with a player of that value at the 30th pick. If you were in Rick's shoes and you did get calls while you were on the clock, what would the right move have been? Make that pick that he did make or trade out, knowing what was already gone ahead of you? Well, uh, you know what? I think the right move probably was to stand, to keep the pick. Now, as we went to uh, break right before that pick, I think the entire room suggested that they would probably go with an offensive guard. We all said Will Hernandez and so, on, yeah. the, on the Facebook Live show. And so, but I'm... And then we said it won't be Will Hernandez because we all are... Yeah, and then we turned out to clearly, be right. Yeah. So anyway, though, I think I think that they ultimately probably made the, the right move because there were enough players left that they liked there. I thought they might bail back, but I, I didn't think that they absolutely had to. So I think that if I was Rick, I would have done the same thing, David. So I hate to cop out. I'm going to say it was the right move to just stand pat with Mike Hughes. Because, I mean, if he's telling the truth that they just have Mike Hughes as the best player and, you know, like they feel like he's going to be awesome. And Mike Zimmer Mike Zimmer is fantastic at developing defensive players and cornerbacks. And you like, trust him, yes. I, I have. There's nothing that I can say, not knowing nearly enough about all the players involved and not having watched tape or, like, studying. Break down a lot of Central Florida games. I know you do. Right. There's nothing I can say that would, like, there, I have no credible case to say that they made the right or wrong decision. Yeah, so I think it's absolutely I'm just fine. gonna trust that they drafted a really good cornerback and a guy who has returnability and Mike Zimmer knows how to develop defensive players. One order hyphenate do you think? Return I think it's all one word. Yeah right? that's return, one word. Return, return, together. returnability. Yeah you slap that together. You I like no it. need you know for a hyphen. I like no. it. Good call. Yeah. Uh twins have lost seven in a row, eight of nine. Judd's worried said earlier in the show that he's worried about all the things that have gone wrong so far in the season, heck, even before the season with Polanco and Santana and the migraines for Buxton and every game being snowed out at home, blah, blah, blah. All the problems. Maybe this whole thing just has an air of it's it's fate. It's fate. It could all go downhill in a hurry. It could all snowball, no pun intended, and just be a train wreck of a season. If that is the case, let's say it turns into an absolute joke, a 90-loss season, whatever it is, what's going to be your main, I guess, feeling towards the season? Are you going to be mad? Are you going to be sad? Are you going to be befuddled? 
How are you going to look back on this season if just nothing goes right at all in a year that we thought playoffs, baby, two years in a row? Disappointing for sure, and it'll mean that they probably trade Brian Dozier at the trade deadline. I mean, if they're headed toward, if they were to be headed toward ninety losses, and he's got a contract expiring, it would mean end of an era there with Dozier. Let's also keep in mind, and hey, I'm guilty as charged. I've been on the hype train the whole off season, and I do think they're going to turn this thing around, and I do think they're going to play in the wild card game. But if you go back, this is the same team when we were doing a show at training camp in early August. This was a team that was multiple games below 500 after the trade deadline. This team was 52 and 56 on August 5th, almost a week after the trade deadline. And they had traded away their closer. Like they were sellers. They traded away, they traded for Jaime Garcia, then they traded Jaime Garcia away. So they were sellers and they kind of waved the white flag with less than two months to go in the regular season. And then they just got crazy hot. And and they took advantage too of a lesser win total needed to get to the postseason. So like they had some, they had some unique circumstances that led to them getting to a one game playoff game. I mean, in some ways, I I agree with Judd that the front office probably wanted them to not get hot in August and September so that this season wouldn't carry the expectations and whatnot. Right. Um, it would still be a disappointment because they made a bunch of additions in the off season and like expected to have a power hitter in the middle of the lineup, which he still could be. And you thought Lance Lynn was going to be better than he has been so far. Like, So can I say disappointing, but also we probably had heightened expectations based on unique circumstances after the trade deadline last year. And because of that, I'm going to be mad. I'm going to be very mad, but not at the Twins, at myself. Because I should have seen this. I should have. Last year was a, was a fun bounce back and a fun year. And a lot of things ultimately did go right. But the, you know what, the expectations from 16 to 17 were nil, and then 17 all of a sudden they spiked up and played well, and you got excited. This is Minnesota sports. I'm going to be mad at myself for not saying, Judd, how could you not see this coming? You know better. You're smarter than that. Damn it. I'm going to be mad at myself. I'm going to take it out on myself. I'm going to go home. I'm going to drink a couple beers. I might kick the dog. I'm going to kick myself for sure. you going to kick the dog? I'm just, That's terrible. I shouldn't kick That's the dog. That's awful. I shouldn't kick the dog, but I'm going to be so mad at myself. What I mean, Hello, a judge's response to adversity is to get drunk and beat animals. I'm not. I'm not suggesting any type of domestic violence whatsoever. Well, you kind of are. Well, I was kicking the dog. It's not domestic. Is, is it domestic violence? Well, it's violence in your place of living. That sounds like domestic well, violence. Well, if I don't kick the dog, the dog's going to kick me because ultimately I just get kicked by sports in this town and by pets. The I don't dog's know if it's, tiny. I don't it think it's physically you. possible for a dog to kick someone. But. The dog scratches me a lot, by the way. Maybe you should cut the dog's nails. That's a, not a bad point. I'm really tired of the dog trying to paw at my hand and scratch it. It hurts like hell. But I, I'm going to be mad at myself. Thank you. I only had one of those this week. If that might be the first one, in fact, <laughs> that was two weeks. Not over, John. Week is got an hour and a half left of this program. Uh, final question. Uh, now that we've been through round one of the NFL draft, we can look back at all the mocks and see how useless they all are, how wrong everyone is, except for, of course, Randy Cottage Grove nailed it as he likes to do. My question is, if mocking the draft is the most worthless thing a sports media member can do, what's number two? Oh, easy. Phil di- did this a short time ago, grading the draft. <laughs> <Right. Right. Right. laughs> 
No, that's a dangerous thing. That's not worthless. It's actually dangerous to your career, as we have learned. It's grading the draft. Grading the draft might actually grading the draft might might top mocking it because at least if you're mocking the draft, you're trying to sit down with names and construct it. Grading it, you're passing grades that you've gotten absolutely no clue. So yeah. So I think mocking and grading are about the same thing, and they are both absolutely, to use your term, worthless. Grading the draft is doubling down on your original lack of knowledge about <laughs> the draft, right? <laughs> Mock like, it right, so now I'm gonna grade like, it. Like think about, I mean, it, it, I agree uh, with Judd. It's it's grading the draft. So, <laughs> let, but let's start with the mocking process. All right. So, if you don't watch tape, if you're not a scout or you're not some sort of analytics expert, right? If you're not, this is where I, I commend Matthew Collar because that dude grinds tape. So, if you're a media guy, and I don't even know if I'd recommend that all media guys grind tape because you should know what you're looking for. And like he he talks to scouts and. Matthew has yeah. an eye for that as a media guy. Yeah, but I agree. In general, if you're literally just looking at Mel Kuyper's big board or other mock drafts and then deciding like, oh, well, it's like Mike McGlinchey, who I'd never heard of until three weeks ago, but because I saw him on a big board or went to WalterFootball.com, I think he should go 13. That's an exercise we could all just do without. It's it's pure 100% clickbait. Yes. Uh, right? Yes. So, I don't know. Did you ever, when you covered the Vikings, were you ever asked to do mock drafts? I did one. I used to do them for the strip uh, a had different me, website, The Strip too. had me do it once, and I think I got two right. But, I mean, it was a complete waste of everyone's how time. Did you, how did you, honestly, how did you collect? I think I sat down with, like, three mock drafts and just tried to guess. And just shuffled them I around. Mean, you have no, you have no it's, clue so it's, whatsoever. It's, it's a pure, it's, it's plagiarism. Now we're Collar, basically mock oh, yes. drafting is plagiarism. Now, now where I give Collar credit is he he does the sim drafts, which at least means that he says I'm going to guess and mock the Vikings pick, but he knows that he has no clue who the Falcons, Bengals, and Patriots are going to take. So at least the at least the sim draft is a nod to I'll let that portion be taken care of by by the computer, and then I'll guess the Vikings pick. But to actually sit down and think. The Eagles with that 30, 30th pick. I know who they're going to take. Yeah, it's a complete waste of time. I want to mock. Mock. I want to mock. mock. So you're saying clicking out a mock draft not worth the price of admission? <laughs> it's over, Dave. It's never over. Let He's it go. Cincinnati, it's Dave. not over. He's in Cincinnati. I it's will move, over. dang it. Really? <laughs> Thinking about it. Queen City. Hey, we have Hubbard stations in Cincinnati. Just going to throw that out there. WKRP. I want to mock. Mock. I want to mock. Mock. Chris Singleton will join to bury the Twins road trip. Talk baseball. We'll talk to him when we come back. Mackie and Judd now continue. Oh, that just makes my nipples hurt. <laughs> 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 yeah. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are talking twins now with former player turned ESPN baseball analyst Chris Singleton. The pitch. Swung on. There goes deep left. It is high. It is far. It is gone. It's a game-winning walk-off three-run home run. Gary Sanchez, the Sanchino, drills a long game-winning three-run home run in the bottom of the night. And the Yankees win the ball game 4-3. Yeah. Alrighty then. 
Twins, four games under 500, a seven-game losing streak. Our guy Chris Singleton, at Singy Tweets. You can find him on Twitter. It's pretty miraculous if you go back the last, like, two decades almost. Jason Stark on our show earlier this week brought, brought the numbers. I can't remember the exact, but, but Chris, the Twins over multiple different rosters, front offices, managers, there's something like 31 and 93 against the Yankees since 2002. It's it's an impossibly bad record. How is that possible? I don't know. I mean, you even look at some of the division series rounds in the past, um, even as late as last year, that wild card game, and you're just saying, what is it? You know, just even getting lucky, you know, one time and sort of winning a, a series or a season series. But uh, yeah. Obviously, the Yankees are playing really well right now. I mean, they've had a tough stretch. Um, and over the last week, man, they've you know, really started to, to put things together and hit and both pitch. Uh, so we know that, hey, when they are together, they can be a, a pretty potent machine, a lot of juggernauts in that lineup. Um, but that's not just to say automatically they can just throw their gloves on the field and they're going to win. Um, Feels like it. Unless they play there. the Twins, <laughs> in which case they can. But Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it's not, you know, it's not even like it's the old Yankee Stadium either where, you know, that one to me was, that was the place where it was like, whoa, okay, this place is like becomes a monster in the seventh or eighth inning if you're the visiting team and you're winning. Like the, the, the crowd and it just seemed like the ballpark would swell and grow like claws and eyes and everything. Um, but the newer place to me just, it doesn't feel as intimidating. Now, I'm in the broadcast booth, so, you know, it's a little bit different, but I would think that any of or a lot of that that mystique of wow we're in New York and we're playing at Yankee Stadium would be uh, more minimal than it's been in, than it was in the past. It's more sterile, right, Chris? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the people are a lot nicer than they used to be. I mean, that's come on, that's, they're supposed to be New Yorkers, not supposed to be as friendly to the opposing team. Exactly. The the old place though. As a fan, I loved because it it could be a freak show. The outfield bleachers, and I mean those they were they were nuts. And it seems weird, but there there was actually times that I thought it, it was great fun, just because the the fan base there that showed up was absolutely so crazy at times, Chris. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean that's it's yeah, it was wild, man. It was really that factor that um, you know sometimes we dismiss. You know, is this, you know, is it really, you know, have an impact? But I tell you what, as a visiting player going in there, man, it was, uh, it was something, you know, you had to have your mind right for sure. And there was going to be no mercy if you made a mistake or you struck out or what have you. And it, you know, it can get pretty personal um, out there. And those, those people, they know they're, they know the players visiting and, and opposing and they know, they know the names and the faces. So yeah, you you gotta be you gotta be tough, and that's why I think a lot of times too. I know we default in this way, uh, maybe a, a little extreme, but we we're quick to talk about players that either get traded to the Yankees or the Mets and say, ah, uh, if they struggle, uh, they couldn't handle the big stage of New York, you know. And Jay Bruce, case in point, remember last year um, or a year you know year before going to the Mets in a trade, and he struggled, and everybody's like, oh, he can't handle um, New York because the fans and the and the pressure and everything else and you know he flat out addressed and said that's a flat out lie and for a guy to sign and come back as a free agent obviously says that you know he wasn't intimidated but that can go with it and, and that can be accurate at times but um 
you know, there are some cases where it's just it's a little exaggerated. Yeah. Uh, so Miguel Sano did hit a home run in uh, in this series, and he does have a handful of home runs so far this year. But this is a, he's 25 years old, and and he's no longer prospect status. He's he's missed a bunch of games with injuries the last couple of years. He's got the highest strikeout rate of any hitter in baseball history, percentage wise. And he's like 50 or 60 pounds heavier than your average third baseman. So we're all kind of looking at Sano as this is a big season for him. We're wondering if he can stick at third base. He had a couple botched plays in the in the ninth that led to the Gary Sanchez homer yesterday. When you watch Miguel Sano, I mean, how long can a guy like that, that size, stick at third base? Can you be a successful hitter when you're striking out in almost 40% of your plate appearances? What do you think of him? Yeah, well, you know, I really... Last year when I got to see him a little bit there in Minnesota, I was, was pretty impressed. And that was before, you know, pre-All-Star and, um, you know, before the injury and everything else. And I was pleasantly surprised at uh, the agility he had at third base for his size. And uh, But with that said, when you, you look at a guy like him and how he profiles physically, just, you know, first and foremost on the defensive side, you understand that he's going to have to, as much as he devotes himself to, you know, taking grounders and swinging in the cage, devote himself to a nutrition plan, diet plan, fitness plan, you know, nonstop if he's going to remain at that position. And so, looking at him, um, obviously it was it was pretty, you know, severe. Um, and then you go into the off season. How much did that affect your ability to work out? And to do the things that you know you got to do to, to be in your best shape, and and you can control your diet even if you're not working out. But you know where did that did that fall at the wayside, and then how did that carry into this year? Um, and, and I I wonder how much of that I got to imagine that to an extent. I mean that's a big part of it because how do you go from I mean and everybody can get off to a cold start. There's no question about it. But I think some of the other signals aren't very positive when you you know put it all together. Um, but, you know, how do you go from being an all-star last year, um, you know, a good part of the year, all-star player, and then this year you're the worst third baseman, you know, in the game. I mean, I was looking at some of the metrics as well, and, I mean, he's obviously at the bottom. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's not a good it's not a good look. But So where does he end up? You know, he's got to get healthy. I think he's probably got some more, you know, definitely he's got some more games left at third base. But he's also uh, – you know, he's also staring down that DH role, um, in my opinion. Yeah. But if the offense isn't dominant, it's he, he's not even going to end up being there. So he's got to make sure, okay, if you're not a great third baseman, which he's not going to be, you've got to be a real superb hitter um, to be able to eventually evolve into that DH spot. Hey, Chris, as a guy who played this game, how much – did it frustrate you to see guys who, who had this type of talent and and uh, God-given ability and not try and maximize it? Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll bring it even more current for those listening of just, you know, and we can recently all, most people can probably all remember, you know, Pablo Sandoval yeah. uh, with the San Francisco Giants. And there was a situation where, man, they they had to go. The organization was going beyond sort of the you know the, the call of duty in terms of developing a player to becoming a babysitter of his weight management and the things that they had to set in place for him. Which someone look and say, oh, that's 
you know, that's wrong. You're, you know, he's got to come in for every pound. He's over a certain amount of weight. He's got to do, you know, uh, extra spring training work. This That's punishment. But in all reality, they were trying to get the most out of their investment. But more so than that, give this kid an opportunity to realize that potential and make a whole lot of money in this game, which even with some of the inconsistencies over the time, um, you know, he was able to, you know, make money and then hit that big payday with the Boston Red Sox. So, you know, I look at things like that and you're, you're saying, yeah, it could be people could say, well, you know, Pablo could have still been, you know, still be playing and having a great career, even though I think he's still with the Giants and everything, not, not an everyday player. But on the flip side, man, they won three World Series championships while he was there and he had some pretty good seasons. So at some point, you know, you want the story to be, yeah, we, we whipped him into shape. He stayed in the shape. He realized his potential and, you know, they lived happily ever after. Well, he kind of did, not really, played pretty well. They won a few World Series and he got paid a whole lot of money. <laughs> it's one of those, you know, you, you, you want it to be, to fall within, you know, the, the pattern of what you think is right for everyone, but sometimes it doesn't. And so you just hope with Sano he'll, he'll get it. Guys have to really get it for themselves and see what the opportunity that's in front of them. Um, and, yeah, it comes down to we can talk about, oh, you love the game. You, love, you love, play the game because you love it. No, guys play it because they really enjoy it. They love it, but they also can make a lot of money doing it. And so the motivator so many times is that money. So someone being able to really, you know, kind of paint that picture of, man, this is what – you can have, you know, this is where you're headed, or this is what you can have. Which one do you want? Or you can just enjoy Major League Baseball catering, which is apparently very plentiful. <laughs> oh, yeah, and the plane, the plane, the flights on the plane aren't, aren't good either because you get a lot of, lot of nonstop food served to you on those private charters. Yeah. Hey, here's another one we discussed earlier this week too. That, like, I so I first and foremost, I'm an analytics guy. I love I love the analytics wave in baseball, and I think it enhances. I think a lot of people complain that it, it ruins the game, and I think it enhances the game in a lot of ways. But one area that I'm not so sure about, we're on pace for more strikeouts and home runs combined than any year in history, and we've been doing that for the last few years. Do you kind of miss that middle ground? I mean, you, you got a limited amount of plate appearances in a baseball game or a season, and we're, we're at record numbers of you know percentages of strikeouts and home runs and even walks. Do you kind of miss that nuanced middle ground, almost like in basketball, Chris, where we've gotten rid of mid-range jump shots, but you know, there's some fun to be had in those middle grounds. Yeah, it, it's it's really become sort of a uh, a miniature home run derby. Like the games are because they're everything. The focus on the launch angle and you know guys you want to get the ball in the air and and the shifts and everything that it's doing. And yeah, I would say when I look at games and I approach games, just being honest, you guys can't tell anyone, but <laughs> I look at games now and I'm like, wow, this not as fun as it used to be um, because we have a pretty predictable outcome, right? You're gonna have a strikeout. You're going to have a home run or, you know, a guy walks, but it becomes sort of in many ways that three true outcome. And it's, and then you have guys that, like, you know, for me, there was a pride in when you're coming up or even before me that players figuring out what's my, what's my niche, what's my role. Okay. I'm going to be a speed guy. I'm going to do this. I'm going to slash and run and everything. That's good. And there's, you know, that I'm going to find my way on this team because they, you need that player. Now you have that player that perhaps could thrive, He's trying to figure out 
how do I get more balls in the air to try to get more home runs? Because it wasn't okay for me to have, you know, seven home runs as a kind of speedy slash guy. Now I got to have 14 to, to, to 18 home runs, you know? And it's just, that's, that's not as enjoyable when you're looking at, at that, that aspect of the game. And it really kind of limits, if you will, the variety of, of what you can, you can enjoy and talk about, you know, while calling a game. For sure. Well, wish our twins luck against the Reds this weekend. They they should be able to get back on track, but uh looks pretty bad right now. Man, so we'll see. So what the run differential over these last nine games, right? <laughs> One and eight, and it's like a it's like a Not good. Neg- it's over thirty, negative thirty, right? They got That's, swept by Tampa, yeah. Chris. I mean I it's uh But you know what? Tampa beat Texas also. Texas yeah. went down there after playing Houston and playing they played Houston pretty well and then they went down to Tampa and I think they lost a couple Two or three of those games. So I don't know what Tampa. I don't know. Tampa always finds way. Tampa Tampa also has the former Twins Brigade motivation. It was like Denard Span, Carlos Gomez, and Wilson Ramos revenge series against the Twins. Denard Span looks like he's about 72 years old now, too. He's got all that gray hair. He looks like I do. (laughs) He does. He does. All right, right, Chris. Good stuff, man. Talk to you. Catch you next week, man. Okay. Chris Singleton from uh, ESPN. I've got a suggestion Diets for Everyone. I'll go on a diet. Snow can go on a diet. Lance Lynn can join us. Lomo can join us. I'm sure the Rook the rook can send you somewhere. Diets for everyone. We'll start an endorsement. Tell them the, the Rook sent you. The Twins at 1500 ESPN tell you to go on diets. Uh, TCL Broadcast Studios. We'll get Matthew Collar in here. Talk some, some draft. What could the Vikings do in the second round? We even have some second round mocks. That's right. The mockers are yes. at it. At it overnight. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. You guys are all-encompassing. Mackey and Judd. You can listen to this for a little bit of pop culture, a little Correct. bit of uh, what's hip in the city. On 1500 ESPN. This portion of Mackey and Judd is sponsored by MetaFast and calling all Loon fans. The 1500 ESPN promo team will be on the Tribal Nations Plaza TCF Bank Stadium this Saturday, tomorrow. For a Minnesota United pre-match party, find us before the 7 o'clock kickoff for your chance to win prizes before United takes on Houston. For more details and tickets, head to 1500ESPN.com, keyword events. Thank you, Dave Harrigan. All right, just you were asking me during the break off of what you know, Chris Singleton saying, Miguel Sano is, he, he was being really honest about Miguel Sano. You, you got to take your craft seriously and yeah. trim some weight. Get on a, like He was bringing up nutrition and, I mean, all those things are true. And then he said, analytically, Miguel Sano has not been good at third base. And I'm just pulling up here. Let's see. Defensive runs saved. Let's go back the last couple years. Third baseman in baseball. And he's 28th out of 30. Yeah. Out of, out of 30. Yeah. 28th out of 33. Qualified. The guys who've played at least 500 innings at and third base. Long? According to a defensive run saved. Over the last... Two seasons. All right. So, well, the last going back to the beginning of last season. All right. Um, he's so he has cost the Twins, and this is it's not. Don't take this as gospel, but he has cost the Twins eight runs compared to the average third baseman, as opposed to a Nolan Arenado in Colorado who has gained the Rockies twenty runs above the average third baseman. So there's like almost a thirty run difference, and Sano has been hurt for long stretches too. So if he had played longer. His number would be worse, even. Mm-hmm. So, if you were to swap in Nolan Arenado just defensively for Miguel Sano, your team would stand to be about thirty runs better, maybe even more than that, over the past year and change. Wow, that's fairly so, significant. Yeah, he's got an arm, but right. 
you know, if you're, he fell you, over with the ball on Thursday, he got the ball and <laughs> fell down, and then he skipped it. It doesn't work. What Singleton's saying is scary though, because here's here's the problem. All right, let's just say let's say Joe stays at first base and Joe's good there, so Sano can't can't go to first, nor does he deserve to. He goes to DH. How big is he going to get? I mean, if you remove the fielding equation altogether, with his lack of discipline, do you trust him not to be three twenty five? Yeah, he. So he came into the season. I don't. You know, and just whether he weighs, you know, three hundred pounds or what. I mean, he has the highest strikeout rate of any hitter in baseball history for his career, and it's even higher this year than it is for his career. He's striking out in over forty percent of his plate appearances, so he's giving himself zero chance forty percent of the plate appearances. I mean, strikeouts are maybe a little bit overrated, but you got it. At some point, there's a line that that has to be drawn. So uh, yesterday, this all took place. With the 30th pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the Minnesota Vikings select Mike Hughes, defensive back, University of Central Florida. As predicted by... Well, round one, we're going to have a little bit of a surprise pick. This is going to be Mike Hughes, uh, the cornerback out of UCF. Man, I love this kid. You know, he got into a bit of a scuffle at a frat party. We all have, you know. Who, who here hasn't gotten into a little fight at a party here and there? The surprise pick in round one. Okay, oh. we can mark that down. Randy in Cottage that, Grove. That was outstanding. Uh, yeah. Randy, how how did you identify Mike Hughes correctly as the Vikings' first-round pick? I, I put in the work. Okay, that's how. You, it ain't magic, okay? People who, who mock, they, they, there's a couple ways you go about it. You go, It's called go about your craft, okay? And what I do, when you guys you know, like to make fun of, uh, you know, Kuiper, McShay, you know, guys like that, Schrager, who I still don't speak to, by the way, or, or, or me or other people who mock, you're, you're in the trenches, okay? You're doing the work. You're watching the tape, and you're looking at the teams, and you're looking at the needs, okay? And by the way, a lot of people say, Randy, you know, how come you thought we should take Hughes? I, I like the pick, but mocking in about who I think we should take, okay? Mocking's about who I think they will take, okay? Who I think they will end up with. And I had a strong sense, okay? And by the way, there's some other people on some other stations trying to say they, they had the Hughes steam. Uh-uh. Okay, maybe they listen to your show. Maybe they should stick to their mind their own business because I was on Hughes for a while, okay? I was on Hughes for a while. Because here's why. There's a lot of depth. Offensive linemen, there's still a lot of depth. There ain't the drop-off yet. We can still scoot up there and get Hernandez. I don't think we will. I still stand stand by my Vikes mock still. I think I'm going to nail a couple, two, three more, to be honest. But there's a lot of depth at all offensive line. And this huge shit is a real talent. And you know Zim. Zim pitches tenth for cornerbacks. He absolutely loves cornerbacks, okay? So this guy was available, and he's a bruiser, and he hits, and he tackles, and he can return. So Cheryl, we'll see ya. It's been a good run. Hughes is going to handle return duties now, and we don't even need to think about offensive line in the second round. There's so many. We're going to go out there. We're going to go defense again, okay? I am on such a high today. I'm on such a high. I ate breakfast twice. Okay, I didn't even stop drinking from last night. By the way, once the draft starts, I'm done mocking. I don't remock. Some of these guys remock. You said someone you'll do an adjusted round two. No, I don't remock. 
My mock lives, it, it, it lives out there now forever, okay? And this is a big, big-time hit, and I'm so happy that I nailed it. Randy's on cloud nine today. Randy's going to have two lunches, just like I had two breakfasts. Randy's going to start drinking again here in a little bit, and we are going to keep this train rolling. So, everybody, just sit back and respect the big dog mocker in town. That's Randy from Cottage Grove. With the 30th pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the Minnesota Vikings select Mike Hughes, uh, a cornerback out of UCF. Did Randy slip in some third person there? A, a little third person, person there? Person. <laughs> I mean, He's he, on a high. He, he nailed he got it. He got it right. He nailed it. He got it right. He nailed it. I, I would still, I'm, I'm already impressed by it, but he also threw out on our show all of the other rounds and his predictions for the Vikings. If he even gets one sixth rounder, I will, he can, he can co-host with you for a week. Well, if he gets... Any more picks, I'm going to be very impressed. I'm already impressed. I kept saying they're going to draft a Hernandez kid. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Right now, get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton Shred. Accessories like non-slip grip resistance bands, a heart rate monitor, yoga blocks, and more. Take your workout to the next level with Peloton. Motivation that moves you. Hurry, this limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access memberships separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.